You're listening to audio from Cities Church. You can find more resources and learn about our ministry by visiting citieschurch.com. For I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you and for those at Laodicea and for all who have not seen me face to face, that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love to reach all the riches of full assurance and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I say this in order that no one may delude you with plausible arguments. For though I'm absent in body, yet I'm with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and the firmness of your faith in Christ. Therefore, As you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him, rooted and built up in Him, established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. This is the word of the Lord, Colossians chapter 2, verses 1 to 7, and this passage in chapter 2 is just continuing the same train of thought that we heard there in chapter 1, verses 24 to 29. And now, if we were to go way back, say January of 2015, Colossians chapter 1, verses 24 to 29, was our first sermon text at our first ever worship gathering at Cities Church. If you've been able to grab one of the vision guidebooks, you may have noticed that we actually printed that first sermon, that old sermon, uh, at the beginning of that book. And in that sermon, in the introduction of that sermon, I say that as a new church, January 2015, as a new church, we need to know what it is we're doing here. What is it that we are about? Well, it seems fitting that today we would ask that question again. And it seems fitting that we would look back to Colossians for help and that it would be the next chapter in Colossians because that's where we are as a church. We are here in our seventh year turning the page and starting the next chapter and the call of this rooted initiative is for you to be part of that next chapter the pastors are calling for our church to be rooted here to freshly embrace the vision to invest in our footprint and to commit to give and as we talked about last week at the end of this sermon here in this service at the end of this sermon we're going to have a moment to symbolize that commitment by bringing forward our commitment cards And in these commitment cards, we're writing down in there what we want and plan to give to Cities Church over the next two years as God wills. Okay, so we're doing this as humans. Okay, just want to make sure we know that we're doing this as humans. So these commitments are commitments that are desires that we bring to our Father. And we make these commitments according to His will. And so we're going to do that at the close of this sermon, but before we get there, as a church in our seventh year, we need to know what it is we're doing here. We need to know what is it that we are about. And what the Apostle Paul tells us here 
in this next chapter for our next chapter. Colossians 2, verses 1 to 7, there are two parts that we're going to look at. First, there's verses 1 to 5. We're going to look at that. And then that leads into the very important verses of 6 and 7. And each of these two parts in the passage have one point, okay? And we're going to focus there. This is a two-point sermon this morning. All right, let's pray together and get started. Father in heaven, we are gathered under your care and in your joy. And in this moment, we long to hear from you. Yes. By the power of your Holy Spirit, please speak to us through your word. In Jesus' name, amen. So we need clarity for our mission. Clarity for our mission. What is going on in this next chapter for our next chapter? Number one, we have a purpose worth our headaches. We have a purpose worth our headaches. Notice what Paul says there in verse one. He wants the church in Colossae to know how great a struggle he has for them and also for the church at Laodicea. Now, Colossae and Laodicea were neighboring cities in what is now modern-day Turkey. And Paul wrote this letter and meant for it to be read in both of these churches. He says that in chapter 4, verse 16. And it's because Paul greatly struggled. He struggled greatly, he says, for both of these churches. And what Paul is saying here in chapter 2, verse 1, is the same thing he's been saying in these previous verses. Look back for a minute, chapter 1, verse 29. Chapter 1, verse 29, Paul says there, For this I toil, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works in me. That word for toil there means hard labor. The verb there for struggling is the same noun that's used in chapter 2, verse 1. Same word. The original here is the word agon, which means conflict or it means fight. It's where we get our English word agony. Okay, this is a struggle. That's what this means. Paul is talking about something difficult here. He's talking about something that is not easy. But what's not easy exactly? What, what actually is he talking about in these verses? We'll just back up one more verse. Chapter 1, verse 28. Verse 28, he says, Him, Christ, we proclaim warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. Now remember that Paul, in that passage, verses 24 to 29, he's been describing his ministry, which is to make the Word of God fully known, is to reveal the glory of God in the church, is to speak the gospel to people with the goal of them becoming mature in Christ. This is what we call discipleship. Another way to say it is to multiply and mature worshipers, servants, and missionaries of Jesus who live faithfully in the home, the church, and the world. And that discipleship ministry, Paul says in verse 24, includes suffering. Suffering and labor and struggle. These are part of the ministry of discipleship, which is the mission of the church. This is our mission. As much as we might wish it were, the struggle that Paul talks about is not exclusive to him. Discipleship ministry has not gotten easier for everyone after Paul. 
This is a struggle not just for the apostles, not just for the early church, it's not just for pastors, it's not just for missionaries, but the struggle that Paul talks about in these verses is characteristic of the entire church in all times, at all places. The mission is to make disciples, and it's a mission that we all share, which means it's a struggle that we all share. It's not easy. Often it's a headache. Seldom goes smoothly. In many cases, it's one step forward and two steps back. We're constantly walking against the current. And we think often, are we still dealing with this thing? And the time we need, the time we need, it feels like is always crunched because we've got so much to do and there are so many values competing for our attention. And yes, false teaching is still a problem. And sometimes our hearts are just off and we're sluggish to do what God says. And, and, and this is not even to mention the countless devices of Satan that are meant to wear us down and rob us of joy. Of course, it's a headache, right? Of course it's a headache. Yes, this is a struggle. Our discipleship growth together into the maturity of Christ is not easy. But is it worth it? Is our growing into maturity in Christ worth the struggle is it chapter 2 verse 2 paul is restating here his ministry goal here he's describing in more detail what it means to be mature in christ this is why he struggles so greatly this is the purpose of his labor for the church it's verse 2 so that their hearts may be encouraged, be knit together in love to reach all the riches of full assurance and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ. And in this verse, now you can hear echoes to Ephesians 3 and 4. Paul's concern is for our hearts. It's the, the deepest part of who we are. And our love for one another is essential. Our becoming mature in Christ is connected to our being knit together in love. And again, like in Ephesians, this speaks to the mutuality of our growth. Remember Ephesians 4.16, that when each part of the church body is working properly, it makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. So, our individual maturity in Christ leads to and extends from our corporate maturity in Christ, which means whether we like it or not, we get there together, y'all. We get there together somehow. Knit together in love, we are reaching maturity in Christ together. And that's what Paul explains here as reaching all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ. In short, Paul is saying 
we grow in Christian maturity together. And Christian maturity means we know Jesus more. That's it. And knowing Jesus more is not merely about information. Paul is not talking about head knowledge here. This is a deep understanding. It's confidence. It's full assurance. It's what we mean when we say that we believe Jesus is real. We're not talking about ideas here. He's a person and he's alive. He has been raised from the dead after he came here for you. He lived for you. He suffered for you. He died for you. He is raised from the dead for you and ascended for you. And right now, He reigns for you over a kingdom that is overcoming this world. And He is better than anything of this world. And we just want more of Him. We want His standing by us. We want His nearness, His presence. We want His energy at work within us. We want His glory to be felt. We want Jesus close and clear. We want more of Him. That's what Paul's talking about. See, that, that is Paul's purpose and is also our purpose. That's why we do what we do, Cities Church. That's the purpose in making disciples. That's the purpose in planting churches. It's so that we would have more of Jesus and so that these twin cities would have more of Jesus through us. And this is a purpose that we have to keep coming back to because the road is not easy. It's a headache. It's a headache. A month or so ago, just a normal day, I'm sitting in my car at a traffic light, and I'm trying to turn left, and I was just a few cars back, and when the arrow turned green, apparently the first car hesitated. And so when I got to the light from just a few cars back, the light was red so that I could not turn. And it caught me at a bad moment. Do you know what I said? What's the point of life? You know it's a bad moment when a traffic light sends you down a metaphysical spiral. But that's, that's where I was. In that moment, everything to me felt stupid. And y'all know what I'm talking about, right? And I sat there, because I have to sit there now. And I said, why am I doing this? Like any of this. Why? And as soon as I voiced the question, my self-talk somehow sobered up and said, 
for more of Jesus. That's why. I remember something I had once read by the late Jack Miller. Jack Miller was a seminary professor and the founder of a missions organization that has sent missionaries all over the world. And for years, he would write letters to these missionaries on the field to encourage them. And they've been collected in a book. And so it's in this book where I read this letter. And in one of these letters, he was uh, encouraging a missionary couple by explaining to them how he had been praying for them. And this is what he said in the letter. What I finally came to as I walked and prayed for you is the old, old story of getting the gospel clear in your own hearts and minds, making it clear to others, and doing it with only one motive, the glory of Christ. Getting the glory of Christ before your eyes and keeping it there is the greatest work of the Spirit I can imagine. And there is no greater peace than doing it all for the glory of the Lord Jesus. You see it? The glory of the Lord Jesus. All for the glory of the Lord Jesus. More of Him for more of Him. For more of Him. For more of Him. All the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Which means if I press in to know him more, if you press in to know him more, he will not let us down. He won't. More of Jesus' church is our purpose. More of Jesus is our purpose, and that is a purpose worth our headaches. That's the first point of a two-point sermon here in this next chapter. Here's the second point I want us to see. Number two, we have a command to walk the talk. And this is in verses six and seven, but first I want us to look at quickly here verses four to five. Verse four is a break from what Paul has been saying because what he's doing here, he's stepping back and he's commenting on his own writing. He's letting us know his strategy here. And this is the strategy. It's that the best defense against delusion is explaining the truth. Paul is saying, hey, I'm telling you about the wonder of knowing Jesus because if we only knew what we had in him, false teaching would get zero traction here. If we really knew Jesus, then nobody is going to be able to deceive us with persuasive arguments of some other kind because there is nothing to discover outside of Jesus that is lacking in Jesus because in Jesus there is no lack. All the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are hidden in Him. Therefore, He is enough for us. He's enough. And the church in Colossae seemed to get that. Now, there's certainly opposition towards the church. False teaching was, was a threat. It's always a threat. But this church here in Colossae had a solid foundation. In verse 5, Paul says that he rejoices to see their good order and the firmness of their faith in Christ. In other words, Colossae, this church is not a church in crisis. They are not in need of Galatians-like correction. But instead, as one commentator puts it, this epistle is a vaccination against heresy, not an antibiotic for those already afflicted. 
This is important now for how it sets up verses 6 and 7. Everything up through chapter 2, verse 5, is considered the introduction of this letter. It's a long introduction because Paul goes on some glorious tangents, but it's an introduction, okay? Which means the real start, the real start of the body of this letter comes in verse 6. Verse 6 is the very first command in this letter. And all the scholars agree that this, verse 6, is the main message of the book of Colossians. Verses 6 and 7 give us the focus of this letter. And everything that Paul says after it flows from it. Colossians chapter 2, verse 6, okay? So in your heads right now, get that drum roll going, all right? Get the drum roll going. Because here it is, Colossians 2, verse 6, because you're firm in faith, therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him. Walk in Him. Continue to live your lives in Jesus. You have embraced the truth about Jesus. You have put your faith in Jesus. You have entered into the Lordship of Jesus. And so live like it. Live like it. In everything you do, in your thinking and acting, in everything, work out what it means to gladly, to gladly live under the supremacy of Christ Jesus Lord. That's what Paul is saying. Keep walking in Him. Keep walking in Him. Now, Paul is going to explain exactly how that looks in the rest of this letter through all of his ethical commands. He already starts to unpack it in verse 7. But in verse 6 alone, Paul makes it clear that the command is to walk the talk. At the most basic level, the most basic level, because of who Jesus is, for us to believe in him means that he rules our lives. It means we follow him. It means we do what he says. It means that we look to him. What else do you think faith is? What else could it mean to believe in him? The idea that faith in Jesus does not really change us. The, the idea that faith in Jesus has no real bearing on our daily lives. That idea is absolutely absurd when we read the New Testament. Just look at the Bible. Recently I was... I was talking about this with my kids and I was, I don't know exactly how it came up, but I was explaining to them the meaning of the word nominal, nominal. What does nominal mean? How do we use that word? And I told them as an example of the word nominal, I said, hey, where I grew up, it was common, it is common for people to call themselves Christians, but not live like Christians. And I was just using, using that as an example, but one discerning conversationalist in the group spoke up and said, Dad, um, you know that happens in Minnesota too, right? I said, yeah, you're right. Of course it does. Of course it does. I suppose there are people everywhere who for some reason call themselves Christians but don't live like Christians. But how about not here? How about not at City's Church? In this next chapter, for our next chapter, 
Let us heed this command of the Apostle Paul and continue to walk in Christ. Let us walk in a way that befits the glory of His name that we profess. Christ Jesus our Lord. That's what walk the talk means. The talk is our declaration of who He is. It's the truth about Jesus that we have received and affirmed the promised Messiah finally come. The real man named Jesus who was raised from the dead. The Lord of heaven and earth. Let us live our lives in His authority under His supremacy. When we look ahead, when I think about this next chapter of our church, there are all kinds of things that we want to do better, okay? You got a list, I got a list, my list is longer, okay? There are all kinds of things that we want to do better, deeper, more faithfully. But if we could just like bring it down to one thing, like if there's just one thing for this next chapter, that could be the main, main thing. What's the main, main thing? City's Church. I want us to follow Him. I want us to walk in Him more. Him more. Here we are again. Two points that are the same point. See, if we're following Him more, that's part of what it means to have more of Him. Right? We're following him more and we want to have more of him, which means we just keep him. We keep Jesus, who is more real than anything else. We keep him front and center, like the window right there. We keep him right in the heart. We keep him always before our eyes. And look, I realize that at some point, at least in most cases, aspirations can become burdensome. Because aspirations mean we're aiming for something that we do not have and how we close the gap is up to us. And so we've got to figure that out. We've got to do better. We've got to try harder. And whoa, there's a red light. Why am I doing this? What's the point? This is why I love verse 7. Verse 7. Now look, verse 6, walk in Him, that is an active verb. This is something that we're doing But I think Paul will remind us that we can only walk in him in his strength. The next three verbs that follow here are all passive. Having been rooted in him, continuing to be built up in him, continuing to be established in him just as you were thought. So track with me here. If we're we're the ones being rooted and built up and established, who do you think is doing the rooting and building and establishing. It's Him. To borrow from chapter 1, verse 29, it's Jesus with all His energy that He powerfully works within us. Holy Spirit, we need You. Holy Spirit, we need You. Jesus through His Spirit is the only way we can obey His commands. He's the reason we can walk the talk. Nobody can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. And nobody can live like Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. And so now it makes a lot of sense that Paul ends with Thanksgiving here in verse 7. Because Thanksgiving is what you do not when you affect, but when you receive. 
Thanksgiving is our response to a gift that comes from outside of us. We say thank you because we recognize that this is not from me, but it's for me, and I don't deserve it. Thank you. Thank you. And if we're abounding in that, if we're abounding in thanksgiving, it means that at every angle of the Christian life, in every direction that we look in Christ, it's only thanks. And it's thanks that overflows. What do you have that you did not receive? What do you have that you did not receive? If then you received it, why, why do you boast as if you did not receive it? Boasting is the opposite of thanksgiving. And God has saved us in such a way that we have no grounds for boasting, but every opportunity to give thanks. And we are commanded in the Bible to be thankful, but it is not a chore. Thanksgiving is the manifestation of the Spirit's presence in our lives. It is the fundamental feature of what it means to know that we have been saved by Jesus for more of Jesus. I want us, Cities Church, to be a community of Christians, of brothers and sisters in Christ who say amen to that. Yes, Lord, to that. We have a purpose worth our headaches. We have a command to walk the talk. And we have the power of Christ Jesus, our Lord, risen from the dead, reigning over all. Amen? Amen. And so now it's in that truth. It's in that hope, in that truth, in that hope, that the pastors ask for your commitment to Cities Church. We are asking that you, church, commit to this next chapter, God willing, if the Lord wills. In a few moments here, like always, we're going to share in communion. But this is the moment of commitment that we've been talking about. And this is how this part is going to go. The band is going to come. And the band's going to lead us in a song. But before we start to sing, uh, the band's going to give us some time for prayer and for reflection. You're going to play through a song for us to just have a moment to, to pause, to, ref, to reflect, to pray. Maybe you have your commitment card ready to go, right? Maybe you grab it when you came in and you want to take a minute now and fill it out. Or maybe you just want to pray. Either way, wherever you're at, I want us all to take a moment and I want us to pray. And if you only pray one thing, would you pray this for our church? Would you pray that the Father bless City's Church to give us more of His Son? Would you pray that? After we pray, we'll begin to sing. Max and the band will lead us in a song, and the song is going to be All Glory Be to Christ because that song is perfect. <laughs> it says it. It says it. And so we're going to sing it. We're going to meditate on it. And in that moment, as we start to sing, I got my card right here. As we begin to sing, on behalf of my family, I'm going to put this card in that basket. 
and then the other pastors will come and do the same, and several others will come and do the same, and all of you are invited to come and to do the same. Cities Church, having been a church planted, now we become rooted. Father in heaven, I pray that in this moment you would fill us with your Holy Spirit. I pray that you would rule us and guide us according to your will for your glory in the name of Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.